Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Coming off the court, you hear it straight from a Suns player with Burns and Gambo. Brought to you by America Roofing, Arizona's number one roofer online at americaroofingco.com. For a free estimate or 10% off any roof repair, that's americaroofingco.com. Hanging out here with the Arizona Diamondbacks at Salt River Fields where they're taking on the Texas Rangers. Not a uh, good outing today for the Diamondbacks. Losing 10-3 in the, what, bottom of the fifth? Bottom of the sixth right now. Looks like as we're out here at Salt River Fields, but we're enjoying a great day. Spring training baseball. But, of course, the Phoenix Suns, our minds never get too far away from them either because they've got just about 24 games left or so on the season. Next up for them, they take on the Houston Rockets on Thursday. And joining us right now is we're coming off the court, our weekly player visit with a member of the Suns. Saban Lee joining us here on the Burns in Gambo show to stop by for a few minutes, talk about the state of the Suns. Saban, welcome back to the show. I'm Dave. This is Gambo. Thanks for your time, man. We appreciate it. Appreciate y'all for having me back on. Back on. Just so you know, my radio partner is a Corona High grad, and my uh, my kid right now is a baseball player at Corona High. So we got some co- Corona go. connections right there. Aztec pride. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, if a memory serves, Saban, the last time we had you on, I got in trouble from some certain members over at Corona for ripping the school colors, so I'm not going there again. It I'm doesn't. Get... It doesn't have the yellow in it anymore. Oh, does the yellow's it? Gone. It's just orange and black. It's just, just orange, orange and black. black and white. The, yellow, the yellow's yeah, gone. They change it up a little bit. You you, you get out That's to Corona every probably. now and then. Still, you get out there. Uh, so crazy. So I stayed here during All Star break, and I actually was able to go to one of the the high school games. Um, they played. Um, was it? Um, I forgot who they played, but it was their first uh, kind of playoff game, so it was, it was cool to get back. What was the uh, What was the furthest you went with your Corona High School basketball team? Uh, championship. You guys made. I see. I don't know this, so I'm just. Did you guys made it to the championship game? Yeah, yeah we won it. Nice. How about that? Corona basketball is, uh, I know your son's a baseball player. Corona basketball has a long, long storied history in the state of Arizona for basketball. Basketball, so they won a championship. How did they, the starting five, how many of those guys went on to play at least in college? Um, All five. It was, uh, I mean, I wasn't even one of the starters, but it was uh, Dane Kuyper, Alex Barcelo, Tyrell Henderson, Cassius P. He went for um, football. Uh, and then who was the the fifth? I think might have been Isaiah Bolden. Uh, but yeah, everyone. I guess four out of five. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Saban Lee, our guest here on the Burns and Gamble Show. Okay, enough uh, reminiscing about Corona Del Sol. Let's talk about the Phoenix Suns. And you uh, certainly have seen a little bit of an uptick in action for you these last few games, getting in in three of the last four, four of the last seven. Uh, they're 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 asking a little bit more of you lately, and I'm sure from your standpoint, you're how how difficult, how much of a challenge is it to stay ready when you don't know for sure when those moments are going to come for you? Um, it, it's tough, but um, the, the organization does a good job of. Um, we have like a little like bump crew for the guys who don't play that much. We'll play uh, five on five, three on three to kind of stay ready. So that that definitely helps a lot. Um, they do a good job of letting us know when we're um, gonna. Um, when we're expected to get minutes and probably have a bigger role. You had a, a good run against the Lakers, chipped in with three rebounds, a couple assists. You had five points. That was a big win for you guys, especially coming off the loss against Houston. To just tell us about that Lakers game and how important it was to get a W there. 
Uh, yeah, it, it, it was a, a much-needed win, uh, especially starting uh, the break off how, how we didn't want to. Um, but, yeah, the Lakers are, are a great team. And then, uh, obviously, Coach Vogel talked about just them um, going down the line. Um, later on in the season, Just we, we might see them. So just, just that was a, a must-need win. Saban Lee, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. I want to ask you about internally how you guys so far view the season that you've had because, you know, it, fans weigh in on it. We in the media weigh in on it. Everybody's kind of got their own opinion on, on on how you guys have done relative to expectations in the room. How do you think you guys have done relative to what the expectations for were at the, at the beginning of the season? Um, obviously, I feel like there's, there's always um, room for improvement. Um, I feel like we're just continuing to make strides and implicate the things that um, Coach Vogel wants us to, to do. Um, so I feel like we're, we're definitely going to um, get, get a lot of wins in bunches and um, ramp it up at the right time, um, finishing off the season uh, right. The regular as, season, I should say. As a true point guard, I want to get get your opinions on – on Devin Booker as a point guard, because Book has had to handle a lot of the duties this year. Chris Paul is gone. You played with Chris. He played with Buck. What do you see in him as a point guard? Do you see that he's made tremendous strides in that position? Yeah, I feel like Book has, has done a great job this season. Um, just especially, I mean, I guess I feel like he hasn't had to do this um, that much in his um, career. Um, looking back at it, and just for him being able to run the point, run the show. Um, and kind of uh, have no problems with. It. I feel like he's he's doing a a, a great job, just uh, effortlessly uh, getting the ball where he needs to go, scoring, and, and just manipulating the uh, the defense. So I feel like he's doing a great job for sure. You guys seem to, as a team, turn the ball over more late. Turnovers has been one of the issues that I know you're working on trying to fix, but it does seem like turnovers seem to haunt you guys late in the game. What do you attribute that to? Is it more fatigue? Is it is it something the other team is doing defensively to kind of get you guys out of rhythm? What do you what do you think it is? Um, I feel like it's, I mean, I don't feel like necessarily it's the defense doing anything. I feel like sometimes um, it's kind of us just shooting ourselves in the foot or, or just um, rushing and, and just um, overcomplicating things on the reads. And I know, um, like, some of the guys talk about just, just be patient, um, make the right reads, and, and don't kind of, I guess, think something's too open and, and make a different different um, read. So I feel like that's kind of kind of the, the uh, reasons for that. Saban Lee, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Um, next game's not until Thursday when you guys take on the Houston Rockets. We don't know Bradley Beal's status. Are, are you, has it been explained to you, or are you under the belief that as long as Bradley is out, they'll continue to call your number, and this might be kind of your opportunity to showcase yourself? Uh, I'm not too sure, to be honest. But uh, just whenever my name's called, I just run up to the score show and be ready to go. That, that's kind of my mentality going about it. But. Um, yeah, I'm not too sure, uh, depending on that. All right. Well, Saban, we appreciate the time. Best of luck the rest of the season. As always, we appreciate the conversation. We'll talk soon, okay? All right. I appreciate you guys, too. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Saban. Yeah, Saban Lee, our guest here. State champion for your Corona. As yeah, well, they won one when like I was that. there, too. I, Did I'm, they really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, it, they've Basketball they've, powerhouse. They are, were. Um, I can't speak to where they are right now, but, yeah, it's the, one of the okay. – Your kid's a baseball player there. I think there's some history with the baseball program, so too. With the, history with the baseball. But the basketball yeah. program has tremendous history at Corona del Sol. Yeah, and Saban was certainly one of the best players to yeah, – Good school. Good school. Uh, when we come back on the Burns 
Dean Gambo show as we're live from Salt River Fields. We'll turn our attention back to the scouting combine where there's no question the quarterbacks dominate the conversation. But from the Cardinals' perspective, the wide receivers are dominating the conversation. And what we want to know, is there any way the first wide receiver taken isn't Marvin Harrison Jr.? Because there are some out there who believe that might be the case. We'll talk about it next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Hey, it's Wolf. The NFL Combine rolls. So what does Monty Austin Ford hope to get out of Indianapolis this week? We get going tomorrow at 10 a.m. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. All right, thanks for hanging out with us here on this Tuesday afternoon. We're coming to you from a uh, gorgeous afternoon out here at Salt River Fields. Not so gorgeous for the Arizona Diamondbacks. They just can't quite beat the Texas Rangers, even in a meaningless spring game. They're losing 10-3 Ugh. right now to Texas People out don't here. care. It's a beautiful day. They're out on the lawn. They're just watching baseball. It's The, the wins and losses don't matter. No, they don't. No, they don't. Just in, Are you enjoying yourself? Are you enjoying the weather? Yeah. And Diamondback fans are right now for sure. Uh, we're out here. We've had Brandon Fought on the show. Uh, once this game ends, once it kind of reaches its conclusion, I think we're going to have a bunch more Diamondbacks guests that we're looking forward to talking as well. Um, but we uh, appreciate the Diamondbacks for having us out here. Of course, the scouting combine is going on right now. And uh, Gambo's back from his one day off yesterday to go watch his son play baseball for Corona. Um, with the combine comes a lot of the kind of inevitable questions, Gambo, about who's going to do what. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., the big news yesterday, was that not only is he not going to do anything at Indianapolis other than interview with teams. He's not even training to run a 40. He's not even training for Ohio State's pro day. He is number one wide receiver to take me, take me or leave me. Watch the game film. Watch what I can do. I don't need to go out there and do anything. That's now some people. I always you know respect the guys that want to go out there and say, look, I'm I'm the best at what I do. And I'm going to show you. But uh, you know, it, this could be advice from an agent. It could be advice from family members. It could be advice from you know uh, his dad. It could be a lot of people that are saying, look, there's there's no there's no need for you to do anything. You're going to be the top wide receiver taken in this draft. Don't don't go. Don't you don't need to go. Show anything just yeah. do the interviews I, I i suspect it's probably more about that than anything else i mean he's he's working with a trainer to get himself ready for the football season not not for the underwear olympics but for the football season and, and I, I suspect and i don't know this for a fact i suspect he's doing it in large part because he knows he believes that there is absolutely nothing to be gained or lost from him running a 40-yard dash or from him doing a three-cone yeah. or from him doing a shuttle drill or anything like that, that he is going to be the first non-quarterback taken. Now, most people would agree with that. So anyway, he's not a top-four pick? That's exactly where I was going. Where, where, like, Is there any way he's not the first non-quarterback taken, that Malik Neighbors or somebody else pulls ahead of him? No, I, the only thing that I would think is... Three quarterbacks go. Cardinals are sitting there at four, and they've got to decide between an offensive lineman with DJ Humphreys down for the year and maybe cut, you know, may not even be back on the team, or do they go wide receiver? Like, I, I mean, how convinced is everybody that if three quarterbacks are gone that they're definitely going to go wide receiver? How, how convinced is everybody? Is it, is it, is it, do people feel like it's 90%, 95%, 99%? See, I'm not. I may get there, but I'm not there yet because the needed offensive tackle is so great. Yeah, and I and and I know that you're. I don't want to say you're holding out for that, but I know that you you believe that because there is a great need at offensive tackle. I I'm just I'm curious if a guy like Malik Neighbors can do anything 
to pass Marvin Harrison Jr.? I don't think so. But then you sent me this story today from CBSSports.com in which one of their NFL writers... They love him. They love him. <laughs> they, 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 ranked, yeah. they ranked the players by position, and they had Malik Neighbors. One of their writers, I don't know what, you know which one it was. They've got a few of them over there. One of their writers ranked Malik Neighbors as the number one wide receiver available in this year's draft. Right. Very surprising to me. I, there, there may be a couple of odd odds and ends where, you know, it's just odd people that, I don't want to say they're odd, but just. <laughs> I know what you're trying to say. There may be a couple of outliers. There, there you go. There may be a couple of outliers. There may be a couple of people that just really like neighbors. They've seen him. They love him. They think his game is great. You know, and they, but the thing that I keep going with, Rondale Moore's 5'7". Greg Dorch is 5'7". Hollywood Brown is, what, 5'10", 5'11". I may have listed him higher, but he's, like, they're so small at wide receiver. Now, I don't know if Hollywood Brown is coming back or not. We don't know. Michael Wilson's got good size, but he's always hurt. Like, he's always been hurt, so I don't know how much you can count on him. He's 6'2". But, you know, you're talking about a 6'4 guy compared to a 5'11", 6 feet tall guy. Harrison gives you everything, but he also gives you size that Neighbors doesn't have. Now, you know, I think it all depends on Monty. Like, what, you know, when you're evaluating these two wide receivers, you see two great wide receivers. Is the size ultimately factor in? Like, okay, I think they're both equal, but Harrison's a lot bigger, mm-hmm. so I'm going to go with that. Like, because that's something they don't have. They don't have a lot of size at that position. I would think the size would matter to, to Monty Austin for it with making these evaluations because they are so small at the position, and I think that they want a little more physicality. Out of their, I would suspect they'd want a little more physicality of their wide receivers. I mean, look, they, there's. And you might say to yourself, well, the Cardinals are picking at four. They can have whatever wide receiver they want if it goes quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. And, yeah, maybe that's the case. But as we've seen, you know, last year it was pretty clear the Cardinals had this infatuation with Paris Johnson Jr. Number three was too high to take him. Number 12 was too late to get him. So they did some maneuvering around, and they kind of landed in the sweet spot that's number six. If they can do similar maneuvering, pick up themselves another draft pick, it might come down to a choice between Roma Dunze or Malik Neighbors somewhere later in the later. top ten, right, if they've got yeah. a chance to do that, if they prefer one of those rod receivers. I know this, at the Combine, um, Malik Neighbors is going to interview. He's not going to run. He's not going to test. He's not going to run a test either. Yep. Roma Dunze he is. is doing everything. He's doing everything. He's doing all of it. Now, yeah, does, because he might say, look, I have a chance to go ahead of these two guys, or at least one of them. Uh-huh. Well, if I could if I could work out and blow everybody away and become the number two wide receiver, now, I don't know if he could do enough to be number one. Oh, but Holl- uh, look, Hollywood's 5'9". Hollywood Brown's 5'9". Rondale Moore's 5'7". Greg Dorch is 5'7". Uh, you know, Washington once had the Smurfs when they were the Redskins. They had the Smurfs. I just—they're too small at that position. So I do, I, I do lean a little bit more towards Marvin Harrison Jr. over Neighbors. But you're right; a lot of people like Malik Neighbors. It's funny—they're it, not mock drafts; they're big boards in which they just rank the players. They don't try to match them up with teams; they just rank the players. Yeah, there were two that came out today. Uh, one from Daniel Jeremiah at NFL.com, one from Matt Miller over at ESPN.com. They both had the same six players as the top six players. They had a slightly different order, but it was the three quarterbacks and, three and it was receivers. the three wide receivers as the top six players available in this draft. So if it plays out that way, then, then, then Monty Austinport may be like, I, I got to take, I can't, I can't get a great wide receiver at 27. 
And this is where I may eventually come around and say, okay, they're going to take Harrison Jr. at four if they're not going to make a trade, is th- there may be a big drop-off from the top three wide receivers to the, who the next best guy is. Yeah. And it may be too big of a drop for you to to try to get one there at 27 or early in the second round. Potentially. Potentially. It, it, Jeremiah's big board was interesting to me because from about 40 to 50 yeah. on his big board, tons of wide receivers. Tons of wide receivers. Now, are they going to be as good as the elite guys? And this is where the evaluation comes in. How much of a drop-off is there between between the, the third-best wide receiver and the sixth-best wide receiver, right? Because yeah. you might be able to get the sixth-best somewhere with your with your your first pick in the second round, maybe, right? How big of a drop-off? Because if there, you think there's a big one, then you might be better off taking one of those offensive linemen, especially if you feel like there's a really big drop-off between that guy and the next guy. That's where those evaluations he didn't obviously. take an edge rusher last year to take an offensive lineman. Now, again, you had you, you drafted an offensive lineman of Paris Johnson, but you had D.J. Humphreys. Well, now you're not going to have D.J. Humphreys. You'll have Paris Johnson. He's only got a year under his belt. You know, how highly do you think of Fashanu? How highly do you think of Joe Walt? Right. You know, at tackle. Cause, and then the other thing is, okay, if you don't get a tackle with your first pick, can you get a tackle of 27? Can you get a tackle in the second round that, that can be really good? And if you feel like there's a lot of talent there, it really comes down to what you said earlier. The depth at each position, I think, is ultimately going to determine what he's going to do. Because wherever there's more depth, yeah. where he can get a guy at 27 or that first pick in the second round, that's where he may choose to take those players and not take that guy at number four. All right, coming up here on the Burns and Gambo Show, we'll stick with the National Football League because all of the intrigue is with the top of the NFL drafts. Not so much who the first player is going to be taken, but who is the team that's going to be doing the picking? And is there a trade that's going to happen any day with the Chicago? Bears. We got a little bit of insight on that. We'll share it with you next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Everybody, Dan Bickley here. Monty Austin for Jonathan Gannon. Speak at the Combine today. We'll tell you all about it starting tomorrow at 6 a.m. on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. This is Ryan Poles. Sorry, Lauren. Bears fan. Out here with us, by the way. Oh. Helping us cover spring training. If you want to like, you, if you want to like roam the right field stands while we talk about this, your the beloved Chicago Bears. You know, you want to take off, go get a hot dog or something. We're good. Yeah, you're a f- lemonade. You're, you're fine. You can, you yeah. can take it. You, you sure? You, you can handle. You can stomach another conversation about your Chicago Bears and what they're going to do with the twenty-seven dollar glass of lemonade or whatever. You know, whatever they charge here. Go right. Po- <laughs> it's not cheap. Ryan Poles, if if we trade Justin Fields. We want to do right by him if we go down that route. If we go down that road, um, I want to do right by Justin as well. Uh, no one wants to live in gray. Um, I know that's uncomfortable. I wouldn't want to be in that situation either. So uh, we'll gather the information. We'll move um, as quickly as possible. We're not going to be in a rush um, and see what presents itself and what's best for the organization. What does that mean? I want to do right by him. What does that mean? We're going to trade you. We're going to trade you to whatever team's going to give us the most for you. That, like, we want to do right by you? I don't like. Okay, here's what I think it means. I think it means it's going to happen very soon. I I think it means we're gonna we're going to make sure you're not dangling in the wind too long. That we're not going to just leave you hanging out there. That we're going to like based off of his comments today. 
I wouldn't be surprised what the combine runs through this week. I wouldn't be surprised if Justin Fields' situation is sewn up by this time next week, Tuesday, okay. Wednesday. I th- I think that's what. Of course, they're not going to send him to. Hey, we're only going to send Justin to a place he wants to go. No. We're only going to send him to a place where he feels comfortable with. No. They're still going to, at the end of the day, make the best trade, they the can best make. deal. I just think they want to do it quickly enough yeah. so that Justin Fields, and I would think other teams too, and you and I have talked about this before, of all the quarterback options that are out there that aren't draftable guys. He's the best. He's the best. Yeah. You want he, Russell Wilson? He's the best. Yeah. I No, no. I don't. I don't, no, want you don't, Russell no, you don't want Russell Wilson. That sounds like he's going to get moved kind of fast too, based off of the comments that uh, get, that get Sean moved Payton where? said. Like, who wants him now? I don't know. Like, I don't. I'm, I'm really curious to see like where Russell Wilson's going to end up. Like, he went to Denver, didn't work, it failed miserably. I, I don't know. I don't. I, I'm curious to see where he's going to end up. But I agree. I, I think that Justin Fields has the highest upside and, and the highest ceiling. Like, th- there's still potential. He's had some, you know, the thing about him, he's had some really good games. But the overall numbers still aren't great. But he's had some good games. And I think by doing right by him, it's like, hey, you're not going to find out about this reading it on Twitter. Like, we're going to let you know. We're going to let you know. But boo, doing right by him, he's not going to be like, hey, listen, I really, if you're going to trade me, trade me here. No, they're going to make the best trade that they can make. And this is business. It's a business. I mean, I understand they like the guy and everything, but, like, you know, in the end, the Chicago Bears have to do what's right for them, and they're going to move Justin Field to the team that offers them the most for him. No doubt. They're going to take less. They're going to get the most they can. I think by doing right by him is, you know, try to wrap it up as quickly as you can so it doesn't drag on. Um, You know, but also, like, isn't there a benefit to waiting to try to get the offers up? Teams, okay, a team wants to move up to try to get a quarterback in the draft. They're not able to do it. Okay, well, that team may now want Justin Fields. Yeah, I would think I would think that the market would want to develop itself pretty quickly because if, I, if I'm a team and I need a quarterback, I want to know, am I, can I get Justin Fields or do I need to go get Kirk Cousins? Can I get Justin Fields or do I need to try to get in on Baker Mayfield? Like I, I would think other teams right. are going to want resolution on Justin Fields too because if he really is the bell of the ball, if he really is the one that you're going to want more than the others, I want to know if I can't get him, I'm going to pivot to other guys before free agency starts. So I, I think that's... So you think that's why it may come sooner? Yeah, I think that's because part of he's the, the top team. guy. Yeah, he's, he's the top guy. He's the top guy, and the other teams are going to want... The other team, if, if I were a team interested in Justin Fields, I'd call the Chicago Bears and I'd say, this is my very best offer for Justin Fields, and if the answer is no... We're moving on. I'm moving on. I'm going to pivot. I'm going to pivot to... Russell Wilson or Kirk Cousins or whomever else. And I'd be like, no, you're not. <laughs> Kirk Cousins sucks. <laughs> Russell Wilson sucks. Yeah. And my guy's like a 24-year-old quarterback with a lot of upside. You're not moving on to them. You tell me you're moving on to them, but you're not. I, I know you yeah. saw this. One of the teams said to be in potentially on Justin Fields, and this impacts the Cardinals, by the way, is the Atlanta Falcons because they're sitting at number eight. If they get Justin Fields, you can scratch them off the list of a team that would move up to get a quarterback with right. the with the Cardinals, right? right? Their head coach Raheem Morris. This was the greatest. Lo- this is a great line. Quote: I have it if you want it. Oh, please play it, Mitch. It's better if we had better quarterback play last year in Atlanta, I might not be standing here. <laughs> Our quarterback play sucked. <laughs> right. Our quarterback play was terrible. Right. I mean, it's Steve like, Barkowski was not walking through that door. He's like Jim Carrey from Liar Liar. It's like he right. cannot tell a lie. Hey, right. look, if we had better quarterback play, 
Arthur, be here. Arthur Smith's still the coach. I'm not here. I'm not the coach of the Atlanta Falcons. I was just like, tell a lie a little bit. That's great. I love that honesty. Thank you, Mitch. I'm glad you played no, that. It's, it, if we had better quarterback play, I probably, I probably wouldn't be here. Now, since we're talking about quarterbacks, I'll just expand this out to the Russell Wilson conversation since you brought it up. Sean Payton was asked about it today, and he thinks that they, they come back from the combine. They'll huddle up one more time with ownership. And probably at that time, the expectation is that Russell Wilson probably gets cut. So now, what's the latest out of Denver? Like, there's this big thing where Russell Wilson's saying they forced me to redo my contract. Yeah, Russell Wilson, or double, they were going to bench me. A double down, basically, on a podcast, on Brandon Marshall's podcast, in which he basically said that that I was told that if I didn't restructure my contract, that they were going to bench me. And they were ultimately going to cut me. And they wanted me to restructure my contract to take some of the injury guarantees out. Out of it, and he said, "I just I wouldn't do it. I refused." And so, and he and he, he made that accusation a couple of months ago. He made it again on the podcast. Sean Payton didn't want to get in on that. Said, "I don't listen to Brandon Marshall's podcast. I don't know anything about it." But basically, that they were trying to force him to rework his deal under the threat of maybe getting released or let go. Yeah, that was his. Accusation. But he didn't do it, right? He, didn't he did not change any of his contract. No, he did not do yeah, it. Yeah, I don't like. I, like, I don't even care where Russell Wilson and uh, Kirk Cousins end up. Like, I don't, it doesn't matter because whatever teams they end up with, they're going to be there for one year and they're going to be gone. Like, but Justin Fields. I still don't know whether he could be good or not. I think the, the jury's still out, and I think there's some potential there and a higher ceiling. So I care about where Justin Fields ends up. It's like Carson Wentz. Do you care where Carson Wentz ends up? No, nobody cares no. where those guys end up. Unless they're going to be the backup quarterback for the Cardinals, I don't care. Uh, here's the line from the story about Wilson, just so I'm accurate about this. He said, the Broncos decision makers said that they would bench him if he didn't adjust his $37 million for injury guarantee. Wilson said at the time, quote, they definitely definitely told me I was going to be benched and all that, close quote. Wow. He reiterated that claim when he was on Brandon Marshall's podcast. That seems podcast illegal. That seems well. like illegal. It, it, I'd be it, like, you can't do that. Now, the Broncos have said that their negotiations about the contract were in good faith and that they did nothing wrong. Um, but again, like I say, he reiterated on the podcast. The team I would think about for Russell Wilson is the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't know why. It's just kind of stuck in my head. Like Mike Tomlin might be the kind of coach who says, you know what, give me a shot at him. Give me, give me, a, give me a shot with him and let's see if I can resurrect. Because can you, I mean, honestly, and I'm sure somebody could come up with a better example, but how fast Russell Wilson's star has fallen in these last two years, it's positively meteoric, just in the wrong direction. Like, it's, it's just, he has crashed and burned these last two years. And given baseball examples, but look, in football, you know, Franco Harris ended with Seattle, right? Tony, yeah. Tony Dorsett ended with the Broncos. Joe Namath ended with, like, the Rams. Like, you know, there are a lot of examples of guys who, but... But did we but, really think Russell Wilson was past his prime? No. When he went to the Broncos? Like, all those players... No. Yeah, when Emmett Smith came here to play for the Cardinals. Emmett Smith, two years he, with the Cardinals. He was an old man. He was an older man, and by that time, his his career was okay. He was okay. He was okay. But but I don't think anybody looked at Russell Wilson as past his prime or over the hill or that he had peaked. No, we thought they when they made the deal, they thought they could compete for the NFC, the AFC West, with Kansas City. We got Russell Wilson. We've got a quarterback now. Because what was the what was the garbage they had before that? Oh my Spit God. Him. 
Just ask Mitch. Brock Osweiler. He could probably, he could probably <coughs> rattle him off for him. <coughs> you have him for me, Mitch? No, not all. Off no, the top not off the top of your head. Yeah, it was bad. It was it was really, really bad. And um, who's the guy that went to the Jets? He was terrible quarterback. Simeon. Trevor Simeon. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was wow. there. Joe Flacco, oh. Case Keenum, <laughs> Keenan <laughs> Allen, Drew Locke. Oh, Drew Locke. I forgot Drew he was Locke. there, too. It was really, it was really, really bad. Yeah, it was bad. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo shows, we're live from Salt River Fields. The Phoenix Suns have the day off. They have the next couple of days off. 24 games to go. How much can we expect to see Bull Bull as part of those 24 games? That's next on the Burns and Gambo wow. show. Coyotes at the Canadians. Pre-game coverage today at 4.30 on ESPN 620 and the Arizona Sports app. Bull, bull. I knew that was coming. How many games in a row have the Coyotes lost now? Twelve. Oh, my God. Twelve. Clayton Keller's hurt, too. Oh, they lost 12 games in a row? He's got an upper body injury, too. Did you, you probably didn't see it. We didn't talk about it yesterday. There was a story on The Athletic over the weekend. Yeah. Uh, Pierre Lebrun, I think, from The Athletic, uh, got a couple quotes from Bill Armstrong. Oh, yeah, they're selling. Not that, there's in, not that there was any surprise or suspense about that. Yeah. But he basically said, yeah, okay. it's it's time. We're sellers. When you said they're selling. I was like, okay, maybe Morello's selling? No, no, I'm sorry. No. The trade deadline. They're selling the, the team. No, no, not they're that. They're selling. No, the trade deadline. Salt Lake. I, I should have been a little more clear about that. Yeah. The they're team is sellers, sellers at the trade deadline. Yeah, the yes. last time they won a game was like almost it was a over month a ago. month ago. January 21st. I Over think. a month ago. Yeah. I haven't won a game in a month. Yeah, it's been a minute. It's been a minute, oh for God. sure. Uh, Phoenix Suns, back yes. on the practice court today. They will not play again until Thursday when they take on the Houston Rockets. Again, the injury update coming from Dwayne Rankin, and I bookmarked this on my Twitter account because uh, I wanted to make sure I got this right. Injury update. Eric Gordon, Yusef Nurkic did not practice in contact work during Tuesday's practice, but they did everything else. Bradley Beal with his hamstring did some non-contact work, was making progress, but, and I'm reading this word for word for Dwayne's Twitter account, Count was having discomfort full court sprinting. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's I, you just hear it. You're right. You just kind of uh. yeah. The, mm. the hope was that he would be back by Thursday. Yes. Um, when I reported that he was going to be out for um, was it the Houston game on Friday? I said he was going to be out for the Houston game on Friday, um, and then Nurkic was going to be out too. But that they expected Nurk back for Sunday and Beal back either for Sunday or Thursday. So Thursday was when they were kind of really targeting Beal coming back. All right, so Mitch back there in the Auction Community Studios played the bull bull drop from Gambo and uh, bull bull. There it is. I actually didn't actually say that. No, I know you didn't. It's... You guys, so you with the magic of like you know radio, you're like <laughs> cut and splice. It is, it is magic. The day, the... We're taking the old reel to reel tape like they do yeah. in the old fashioned days and tape them together. Um, Bobol has played exceptionally well these last two games, and it has given a lot of people this idea, and I'm not saying they're wrong for feeling this way, that Bobol, like if you were to start the playoffs today. He's in your nine-man rotation. He's in your rotation, right? He's got to be. Yeah, he is. He is because he's... He's giving you some versatility. How many dunks did he have the other day in that game? Was that Houston game? Oh, he I was mean, a dunk, dunk, dunk. I mean, he was just dunking the ball left and right. Um, listen, I, I, you know, he could pop out and shoot the ball. He could block shots. He runs the floor well. 
uh, I know you weren't a believer in him, and a lot of people weren't. So it's not like you know you were on this island by yourself. A lot of people are like, ah, what's this? You know, they got him on a veteran's minimum. They got him after they had gotten Kata Bates Diop and Utah Watanabe and all those other guys. And I remember when I first reported it that you know the Suns had interest in Bobol, and you know they they thought he would be a good fit for them. And a lot of people really just didn't understand it. Some people were fascinated by it yes. because you know because the guy is you know seven three seven four, and he's just just this freak you know size and length and um but he's a good basketball player like he is like he's a smart basketball player he's got he's got a good basketball IQ you know his dad played in this league for a while minute bowl I've been very impressed with him I mean I have to the point where I I'm look I think in some ways he might even be a little bit more consistent as a player than what you've seen out of Drew Eubanks believe it or not well he certainly that's one of the best performances they've had all season for a player off the bench what they got against Houston from Bull Bull to the point where we talk about missed opportunities losing that game against Houston you got a great game like that at a Bull Bull and you didn't win that's a waste 25 points 14 rebounds yeah that's a way that's a you, you wasted a great game from Bull Bull I was reading a story today from our friends over at Bright Side of the Sun today and it was a lot about Bull Bull and they said really that the benefit that he brings one of the benefits that he brings is that because he's so long he is the, the Suns I'm trying to kind of like put a finer point on what the article was about. Because the Suns don't have great on-ball defenders, because they don't have great point-of-attack defenders, their best opportunity of altering other teams' shots is to have longer defenders out there on the floor, and that Bol Bol has been very, very good at that this year. Dribble Just- penetration, the teams that I've spoken with, they think the biggest weakness for the Suns is dribble penetration. You can go by Booker. You can go by Durant. You can go by Eric Gordon. You can go by these guys. You yep. could dribble by them. And, you know, usually if you've got a, if, you know, traditional centers, right, you got a shop, that, that's the, you got a rim protector there. Um, but he does give you length there, but he could also pop out a little bit too. But I understand what you're saying, like the length, get your hands in the passing lanes, things like that. His length could be very distinct disruptive on the defensive end. Uh, I've been very impressed with him. I have. Uh, he's done a really good job for them. I mean, I think Vogel's done a good job at how he uses them, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Yep. And so, I, I I, mean, if you said to me the playoffs were starting today, I would think that he's going to be a guy that's going to get minutes. Yeah, I, I think Frank Vogel deserves uh, – Frank Vogel and his staff deserves uh, a little bit of credit for Bull Bull. And not knowing how this is going to turn out, and, and you know, fortunately, the schedule the way it is gives the, gives the Suns lots of opportunities to kind of test out Bull Bull against better competition. But I – look. Bobo's been around a few years, and other coaches have been unable to unlock the best out of Bobo. And I think when when part of the reason why I didn't believe in Bull when he got here was largely based off of that. You know, he's sure man. The Orlando Magic couldn't do it, and they needed him. They, they were a bad basketball team last year. They didn't even want to play him. How good could he possibly Den- Denver's be? Denver's first three years yeah, in the league. Yeah, how how good could he be? But Frank Vogel, there's something there. I think the biggest thing is that Bull is exerting a tremendous amount of energy when he's out there on the floor. And that's the knock, right? I mean, Shaq goes on a podcast or whatever and says, you know, Bull Bull could be Victor Wimbayama, but he's so lazy. And he doesn't do the things that he doesn't play hard, doesn't work hard, doesn't play with energy. Man, in that Rockets game on Friday, he was playing so hard. Vogel had to get him out of the game for like 90 seconds in the fourth quarter. Just get him a really quick blow and get him back in there because Bull was gassed. He was gassed with how hard he was playing out there. If they can get that kind of effort out of him 
on a nightly basis with his length, with his ability to alter shots and and hit the occasional three, be a you know, be a an option offensively. I'll tell you what, there were a couple moments in those in in the last two games where ball passed on open corner threes, and I was yelling at the TV to shoot it, it, take it, shoot it. You're that's that play is set up for you to take that shot. Don't pass out of it. Don't pass it up. He hasn't take been afraid. Shot. And one of the things I've liked about him is that he hasn't been afraid to take shots. He hasn't been afraid to take a three point shot. You know, now, no, maybe in certain game, maybe he was gassed. He was, I don't know. Um, but I've been pretty impressed by his willingness to take shots, um, which you know, and it, that's they always preach that. To, you know, if you if you're the guy that's open, take the shot. Yeah, it, it, we'll see. I would expect he's going to get playing time moving forward. The the notch up in competition for the Suns, which starts here in another week or so, that'll give us a really good idea of what Frank Vogel's plans are for him come playoff time. When we come back. On the Burns and Gambo Show, our coverage of the Diamondbacks continues, and that includes a conversation with the Diamondbacks' newest third baseman. A. Eugenio Suarez joins us next here on the Burns and Gambo Show.